Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Scene and Nerd, a podcast brought to you proudly by the DWW Radio. I'm your host, Matt, of course. Welcome back to the program. Um, want to introduce my friend, Sarah. What's up, dude? What's up? I feel like I haven't been talking to you for the past hour and a half or so. Okay, see, I realize <laughs> that I never sent out the technical difficulties tweet, so nobody's gonna... I, I shouldn't have said anything. Hashtag poor Matt. Just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> how's your week been, Sarah? Pretty good? My week has been frustrating, but... It's all good. I, I just really wanted to talk to you about Mr. Robot, so I'm glad oh, we're doing I this. Thought, I thought we are doing like a personal stories podcast. No, of course not. We're doing Mr. Robot episode well, 5, Logic Bomb. But, but I mean, I'm sure everyone wants to hear about... <laughs> wow, are you going to say it? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I really, really want to. Oh, well, let's just say there's a coffee and there's a bagel. Enough said. All oh, right. that that's fine. No, it's okay. Um, it's fine. It didn't sound okay, but there's it's no all right. coffees. There are, there are potential coffees and bagels. Let's just go with that. And there's no shame in it. No shame there in isn't. that game. I didn't say there was ever shame. Do you do you think there should be shame? There's like a bell and then shame. Sometimes shame. you just go a bit heavy on the cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> Coffee Meets Bagel app, brought to you by I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's talk about Mr. Robot, because that's what the listeners clicked on for, right? I think so. Overall Maybe. impressions of the episode, did you like it? Was it like, meh? We're about halfway through the season. Like, how are you kind of placing it so far? I, honestly, this is probably the first time in watching Mr. Robot where I wasn't as excited about it. There's something, yeah, something just felt flat for me with this episode specifically. Here's the thing, though, and it's it's kind of sad, like, we say that um, because there was a lot of great, like, background information on White Rose, oh, a lot of great God. background information on, um, I'm going to spit on my gum, I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> Sorry, I can, I can hear it on the microphone. It's crazy that we say that because there was so much background information on, like, White Rose. Love him. so much background, I know, right? Uh, background information on uh, Agent Dom and their whole interaction, but it really did feel kind of flat. Like, what what do you think kind of set that, like, kind of, you know, messed it all up for you? I don't, I feel like there's something that's happening in terms of the pacing this season and where we're already in episode five and I don't feel like a lot of story has really happened because we've just spent the last few episodes really focusing on the dynamic between Mr. Robot and Elliot. And by putting that and focusing in and on, like by putting it in center stage, they really disconnected Elliot from F society, from hacking, from his friends, from every, like his entire universe. And now just in episode five, we're starting to weave him back into that universe. And so it just feels like we dragged for a little bit to get to this point where we're starting a new chapter when this really may have, may should have been like the first or second episode. Like this episode should have been the first or second, really? Well, it just, it feels like 
feels like Sarah had this all worked out in her head, and then I spent an hour and a half <laughs> waiting to record. Thank you, Carrie. I miss you, but still, all your fault. Um, why did it? But you know what? Here. You know what? You know what? Do not play the question game with me, Matt. Why don't you answer the question? Why did? Why because did you I... said the same thing. You said it fell flat for you too. So why don't you explain yourself for a change? Well, I thought what it was like they really like what you're saying. They kind of focused on the um, like Mr. Robot Elliot kind of dynamic, who's really in control kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they almost like resolved it, you know, with the chess game and all that stuff. And then now um, it's like, okay, now they're joining forces to hack into the FBI. And then in this episode, we see Mr. Robot kind of like being like a guiding hand for him, like kind of just whispering his ear some advice, not really trying to take over Elliot's role, you know, be the one in control. But like, it's almost like Mr. Uh, Elliot's kind of like using Mr. Robot's like voice as like a driving force for the you know what he said in the previous episode the or two episodes ago the force like sorry i'm talking in circles what i mean to say is elliot is working towards the 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 dream that he dreamt right the happy ever after so i feel like now he's using mr robot's voice in his head to kind of drive that and instead of having it extended throughout the whole season it's kind of resolved already and I'm, i'm a little disappointed by that so that's what left me feeling it went flat okay interesting to a degree because i there was very little mr robot in this episode right and you think it's resolved well almost for now to me if that was the resolution that resolution fell a bit flat like that didn't nothing happen you come to a standoff or this idea that no 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 you you have to make peace with this other side of yourself because it's always going to be there. And if you remove that, then you lose a piece of yourself. So, so to me that it's just, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't work. I have no genius logic or logic bombs to drop in this conversation right now. I can't Not think yet. of anything in mind. I don't know. It's definitely a point in the season where they want to set the table for something bigger to happen. And I think there was a lot of, but they don't want to reveal what it is yet. So it's like, I, I can hear the writers and like Sam Esmail saying like, guys, just like, okay, just watch this and enjoy the little interactions. But the next, like when it goes towards the end of the season, you'll understand why we did it the way we did. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Here's my point though. Okay. Last season at this time, we had just hacked into Steel Mountain, oh, which is very true. timely. And and then there was a bunch of stuff within the CD and Angela and Ollie and, and all that and at Allsife going on. So there felt like there was a lot more story going on when now we're just getting into that, when we were already like in the middle, in the action at this point last season. Right, right. And I think it's because the stakes were so high, because that's what they were building towards. But I don't... Okay, here's another point that I was thinking about before the show, about why this episode didn't really work. And even though Craig Robinson is really doing a good job as Ray, this has nothing to do with the acting or the portrayal of the character or anything. This has to do with the writing of the character. He cannot 
he's not as good of a character for me personally when you are putting him in a season where we're constantly being reminded of the threat of Philip Price or White Rose. And they're ballers. Like, you just, you can't, as a as a foe in this world, it really doesn't measure up. So when we're focusing all this time on Ray, it's like, okay, but where's Philip? Because he's such, he's so much more dynamic for me. That I just, I guess maybe that's my problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, like, just in terms of, like, everyone having their foe is, like, I think that there's so many, like, there's different antagonists for each character. Whereas before it was, like, they're all kind of geared towards one goal and the antagonist is this, you know what I'm saying? In season one. And now it's, like, Angela has a thing with Price. And then Price has, for, like, they're working in cahoots with White Rose. And then... Elliot has Ray and Darlene has the FBI now breathing on the necks. And like when I mentioned the stakes were high last season, I'm like the stakes should feel higher now because now they have the government going after them. You know what I'm saying? But it just right. doesn't really feel that way. And I think right. I think it's because there's there's so many like um like well, relationships going on right now, I guess you can say, that there's it feels less it feels like kind of watered down you know what i'm saying right and maybe that's because all of the relationships and all of the stakes are attached to every other character but elliot right yeah and elliot's I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, no no well all i was gonna say is elliot's stakes is was attached to his dynamic and face off against mr robot right, and right. now it's coming to a head with ray and I just, I keep going back to this, but if you rewatch season one, you're going to notice more of what I talk about when I keep comparing how they're using Ray this season with how they used Vera last season. Right, because right. they're coming, they're serving the same purpose. If you think about it, um, especially with this episode, how it ends and with this whole idea about did Elliot... Did Elliot set off his own logic bomb and that's what's led him to danger with Ray or was it Ray's logic bomb um, that he walked into and that's what led him down this path? Because we have to remember when we were first introduced to Elliot as a character, he was disconnected from F society. So we saw him as like a vigilante hacker. So this idea of facing off against a criminal like Vera was very intriguing and allowed us to balance that whole double life between being a vigilante, like a lone hero, and being a part of F society and the duality of that. Now we're seeing him sort of go off in that direction, but he's still disconnected from F society. Right. It's, it's like, does he go back to his... It's like he... How we were discussing with Akira a couple weeks back with like it's white hat by day, black hat by night kind of thing. And uh, I don't know, like, I, do you think because some people would say like Elliot's um, like consciousness is like almost like cyclical, you know, like there's a certain pattern to it. And it is. And like, do you think he's going to fall back into that or is, or is that what you're saying? Like he might be falling back into that same kind of cyclical pattern. Like now he's going to go back to being like that vigilante. 
I That's hard to say, right? I so I I am one of the people who talk and and believe that Elliot ha- what we're observing right now with Elliot has been has happened before to a degree in his life um, because I've always felt like when we were introduced to him as a character it wasn't like at the beginning of, a, of his story but right in the middle and for me right now I guess the fear is that now that we're in season two it's really hard to have that kind of cyclical show because audiences get bored. If we're seeing the same thing play out over and over every single season, you're going to be like, well, I can tune out, come back and pick up exactly where we left off. And that's fine. You don't want to build a series around that. So I don't necessarily think he's going down the um, vigilante path because they also made an effort this season or this episode specifically to um, with the FBI hack, like he did his part. So he's also, we also have him um, interact with both Angela and Darlene this episode. So they are attempting to simultaneously have him be that person, that hacker we met in the pilot episode and the hacker like he evolved into by the end of the season by leading the F five nine hack um, in this episode, it just overall it didn't really work. It it felt like, well, I'm glad we just, I don't know how did your turn to talk, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's you're fine. really really tired. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just taking all you're saying. Like that's. I mean, speaking of Darlene, let's just get into, like, their interaction at the house. So, um, first of all, she said, where's the she-devil? And I was like, I think that's the first reference to the mom that we've ever heard. So, in terms of, is all of this real, or is it happening at a hospital? I don't know. Part of that theory is starting to break away a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I just noticed that when Angela visited, that she it was the first time where I didn't feel like they were in a hospital there were no implications that I felt or could observe in that scene um so it it felt very different than everything all the other interactions see I took it as when Angela visited like there was no reference at all to their surroundings it was just like just the conversation so I was like that could have been that that could have taken place in a hospital but since that Darlene mentioned, where's the she-devil? You know, that could be a reference to her mom. I mean, yeah, there was no reference to the surroundings, but it also didn't feel as cold or isolated or judgmental as any of the other interactions. They weren't sitting, like, opposite each other also, like, on the of, of the table. Yeah. They sat, yeah. like, you know, they kind of went around a corner almost. Well, I mean, he was in that position with Darlene, too. Oh, yeah, so. see, that I noticed. Okay, cool. Yeah, and also in when he was talking with Angela, his mom was in the background watching TV. Yeah, yeah, so maybe... Oh, hmm. You know, something that I did notice in the episode, in specifically with those two scenes, is that there was a ticking clock. And I mean, the scene itself has a grandfather talk, but that noise was very evident. And I know that in earlier episodes, I might have referenced that there, it like, 
in an exchange between Elliot and another character, there's like a sound of a ticking clock. Yeah, I have never really noticed that. Good job. Yeah, which all goes back. It all goes back to White Rose. Right. Yeah, like, okay, so like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it was a huge episode for White Rose's character. I feel Mm -hmm. like we peeled away all the different layers at what makes the friend, uh, that person tick. (laughs) Pun intended. So, you know, we had that scene with Agent Agent Dom and White Rose, and well, we should refer to White Rose's persona in this position as what um, Minister Jung, I think, right? I'm gonna call him White Rose because that is who he is. I feel like okay because I want to call him because there's like two personas, right? You don't you don't call Elliot Mr. Robot when he's in Elliot mode, right? Because I feel like no, but those are two different characters. I, I don't know. Mean. I just feel okay. Well, what I'm trying to get to is this. I feel like because you had that scene where White Rose was talking about, oh, this is my sister's clothes. Was it just right. a like a thin kind of way to you know kind of be like, oh, that's an explanation for why I have women's clothes, or is does White Rose like I don't know somehow have a sister that maybe nobody knows about and he puts on that persona when he's in his white rose mode in his woman feminine kind of mode. And then he has his minister Jung kind of thing when he's, you know, himself, I guess, like, does he put on that character kind of like how Elliot kind of puts on that character in a way? Well, what I think Sam Esmail is doing and it's really paying off. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so always so intrigued by white rose as a character is because he's a really good foil for Elliot. I mean, he, in a different way, like, he's not identical to Elliot by any means, but to a degree, his whole, um, his whole gender-bending lifestyle, I want to say. I don't, I don't know what the political, like, the PC, so I'm going to, that really allows him to, um, to publicly have those two different personas, those two different identities, and really play both sides of this game, which is so cool. Um, and we got to see that just so much this episode, and I and I thought it was so ironic because he's his other side is the Minister of State Security for right. China. And it's just like, oh, which, I mean, really does parallel Elliot when we first are introduced to him because at night he's a hacker vigilante and in the day he works at Allsafe who like works to secure the companies he's trying to take down. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So it's really good parallels for sure. Right. What do you mean by, by foil? Can you explain what you mean by foil? I don't know that term. Um, a foil is it's it's commonly found in literature, and I know somebody's looking up right now and like, no, this is not right, but whatever. So my definition is that it's basically um, a character whose purpose serves to highlight traits in the protagonist. Oh, okay. Um, so it it served to parallel and mirror um, and to point out like certain characteristics that the protagonist has and often foils are antagonists. So. That makes sense. Sticking with the whole talking about White Rose um, mm-hmm. and, and Dom, their whole interaction. Why do you think that he showed 
Agent Dom her collect uh, his collection of dresses. Like, was that him saying I'm getting like really close to her, and I, for some reason I want her to know, or like? Was it, that the logic? The bomb? logic bomb, quote unquote. I guess for Dom, yeah. I don't. Wh- what were your thoughts when you were watching that scene? See, I was so confused. I was like, like I feel like White Rose is. I don't know. Maybe he's so confident that in his, you know, that he's covered all of his tracks, so they would never know that it was him all along behind the whole thing or something like that. That he was almost like parading the or swinging the carrot in front of her, like, yeah, come and try to put those two and two things together because I got my ass covered. So. I really don't know why he was showing Dom those collection of dresses other than, like, being egotistical, I guess, or... Maybe. But it's also because he didn't show that part of his life or, um, or show her that until after she, upon her own doing, stumbled upon the all the clock right. clocks that he has. Man, that probably sounded really bad. <laughs> no, you really emphasize that L in clocks. Okay. For sure, we got it. Just want to make sure. All right, all right. Um, so, which she was intrigued by, and now my mind is just really dirty. But anyways, so she <laughs> was really intrigued by. So, I, to answer the question that was asked, um, because that's what we do on Cena Nerd, I'm just going to go back to the quote he says um, at the end of that exchange right before he cuts it off and um, they disappear, essentially, I guess. He asked her, let me ask you something, Agent DePiro. Have you ever wondered what the world would look like if the 5-9 hack never happened? Right then and there, that was the logic bomb. I don't think it was necessarily showing the clothes or adding on to lead her to um to expose that other persona more sort of speak um but it was more of planning that idea like have you ever considered like you're so negative about the revolution that is currently occurring but have you ever considered the alternative right and And that was her first hint so yeah but why say that why to get the reaction there to get the reaction. See, because see, maybe that's what, because that's kind of like what I'm trying to say is like, he's just trying to dangle the care in front of her and like say, come and get me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Consider this map. So um, when we had Akira on a few weeks ago, she talked about Philip Price and how Philip likes to toy with humans um, as if they're science experiments right. and trying to put them in conditions. That's essentially, I think, what White Rose was doing. Okay. He was picking up on this negative negativity about hackers and every the revolution that is currently going on. So it wasn't necessarily trying to find out what the FBI knows, but how they feel about their knowledge and what is going on in the world. If they're like impressed about it if they're disgusted by it um, because that, that allows them to gauge basically what's going to happen next. And so that's where her face. And I have to give a shout out to Grace, Grace Goomer, Gummer, um, actress, because she did a really good like reaction shot to that. Um, 
because you could just see it like a wave of emotions wash over her face after he dropped that line. And like in a, in a minute, he just made up his mind. He's like, Nope, you gotta die. You, I gotta remove you from this game. So damn. See, I did not get, I did not come to that conclusion that white Rose needs <laughs> uh, Dom to die. Like he's plotting already her demise. Well, I didn't get it until the shots started to fire. Oh, like literally, shots need to fire. Literally? See, the thing though is, he didn't have, like, if if it wasn't for him, like, bringing Dom into, you know, his room and showing the dresses and talking about, you know, talking about the 5-9 hack and how, like, what if it never happened, like... There was ever there was never no need to kill Agent Dom, or was it that that the plan from the beginning? That's you know I guess that's my question right now. Well, the plan was from the beginning was to figure out what they know, and okay. Dom also she she walked right into this whole logic bomb, considering when their first meeting at the table um, with with um, oh right yeah. Yeah, she's the one who brings up Dark Army. Dark Army, yeah. And with the implications, yeah, immediately threatened. And I love BD Wong, his face in that that moment (laughs) was so good. (laughs) He's like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you talking? (laughs) You do not talk to me, girl. (laughs) And then, like, her boss or whatever his head just, like, practically hit the table. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you're embarrassing me, dude? Like, what are you talking that's so funny. They're being so, so delicate about it. So at the end, Matt, for you, were how surprised were you when they were like naturally interacting, just usual morning, and then all of a sudden a bunch of people in masks come in with guns and everybody like hits the ground and is getting killed left and right? What was your all reaction? I, know is I need to start making reaction videos because I was like, what the fuck is going on? Get down to us. I thought she was going to die. And I was like, there was like, there is no way they can't let her die like right now. But I was like, oh my God, she could die right now. And then another body they have to clean up. But, but yeah, that was my first initial thought. And then when I saw her totally go behind the desk, I was like, oh man, this is like my time crisis video games. Shout out if you guys know what I'm talking about. Because uh, she kept popping her head out. And I was like, man, she's going to like take out this whole... Yeah, kind of group by herself like that feels like something not a preacher maybe not so much out of Mr. Robot (laughs) but I thought it was great that they didn't have any like action music around it it was just Mm -hmm. like and it wasn't like this a blaze of bullets you know what I'm saying it was very calculated they knew exactly where everyone was or the gist of it and they're um, very professional about it like when the guy like shot himself Mm -hmm. um, I was like man this guy he'd rather take himself out than have her you know kill him I was like that is intense so um, I didn't piece it together until you told me um, right now that um, White Rose wanted to kill them. So I, I thought it was just, I was ready to ask you, who do you think those people are working for? So <laughs> I guess now I know now. Well, it's the mask. Like, they were wearing the Dark Army mask, weren't they? No, they were just wearing, like, regular ski masks, I thought. Oh. I could have sworn that they were wearing the Dark Army mask. So Maybe the I second may... guy was? I don't remember. I might have jumped to conclusion, but... I, I could have sworn that they were, but... If they weren't, <clears throat> who else could it be? You know what I'm saying? At this point. 
Yeah, I don't even want to travel down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's raised no, eyes. No, I don't. It's, I don't. Mastermind of it all. I got nothing. Nope. Doesn't so matter. We got, we got the we got Agent Dom pinned down. It kind of just leaves it like that. And on you know, the other, what's up? <clears throat> no, I just had one point about that because I completely agree with you. It was a good choice not to put music um, because the randomness of that attack was fully heightened to where you felt it yeah yeah you just caught off guard and then how they shot it it was very like i think you said a video game and like probably like that very first person yeah so yeah like um yeah yeah. how just explain my reference like it's a game where you you pop out of hiding you shoot and then if you let go of a button it puts you back in cover so it was from that same perspective you know right first person yeah Right, so you really were following Agent DeBuro, yeah. so your your nerves were as heightened as hers were. Um, but and it took me like hours after watching to realize this. Um, but I think that Sam Esmail was trying to connect that act of violence with um, what was going on with Joanne in this episode. Or Joanna, sorry. This right, is how right. tired I am. I mispronounce characters. I love names. Anyways. I forgot her name, too. I just call her Mrs. Wellick in my head <laughs> and in my notes. <laughs> right. Because she um, she gets her henchmen, because I, I don't know his name, um, to go and kill Kareem, who was the person who saw Tyrell and Elliot, possibly, um, at the last day. Or, I don't know. I'm so freaking mm-hmm. tired. And she, there's that very weird exchange about how he killed Kareem. Yeah, like, they didn't just show him doing it. It's like, he was explaining it to Joanna how he did it. Yeah, so they showed it while he narrated it, while she listened and reacted as if it was a bedtime story. She's rocking but, her baby to sleep, you know? Right, right. <laughs> to the man speak. Yeah, you know, because killing a man instantly robs him of explanations. So we let him die with answers because we're otherwise we're nothing but ruthless murderers. That is like that the is... best evil person line ever. Yeah. And so my point was that that line pretty much parallels exactly what happened with Agent Dom and that attack because there was a lot of randomness in it. It was very abrupt and blunt and none of those agents got any answers about what happened or why it happened. And so you fully felt that and fully felt that contrast to what Joanna was describing and how Kareem was treated by being just paralyzed, um, but being aware of what was going on and what was going to happen. See, I thought you were going to take it as um, White Rose wanted to talk to Dom because he wanted to give her, it put in her mind the answers of why he's going to kill her the next day. Ooh. See, I thought you were going with that. I just thought of that right now. So, go star to Salzy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that could be very well. I mean, he does yeah, talk like, about the revolution. So, like, you're against the revolution? Well, then I have to remove you from the board. But, hey, so. she ain't dead, as far as we know. See, 
that's the thing that's going to bother me because I can't think of a moment last season where something like a high stakes um, event happened and it's just like, oh, we need this character later on in the show, so we're going to keep him around. Yeah, because that's life. It's just random. I don't know who died last year or last season. Shayla. Oh my god, Shayla, you're right. They just kill the best ones, don't they? They Dom's do. She's going to die, isn't she? She's probably not. That's what you said. I didn't say I that. Know. I did not say that. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. Can you not? <laughs> I'm just trying to well, stay but... awake while you think out loud. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, well, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so... Man, you just really dropped it on me. I don't know. Like, is this it, who's the Shayla this season? Is there gonna be a Shayla this season? There's gotta be a Shayla. I think Ray's gonna die. But he's like kind of like a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? So, Let's talk about Ray. It's not. The, yeah. Okay. So Ray is like my number one dude for a long time, and I'm like, dude, he's running some deep web shit going on right now. We find out that, or Elliot finds out, and we find out that he's running a website where hitman come together and look for marks or they're they're like they're up for sale um you can buy like kidnap people potentially human like, sex slaves human trafficking is what i'm trying to say it's a terrible thing so i don't really want to mention it you can pretty much find all the pills you want it's essentially like kind of an alleg- not an allegory but it's like an amalgamation of what happens on the deep web and ray is running it this is his online business that he values so much you know, um, I read in before we started recording, you know, yes. like two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> A peek behind the curtain with that one. Just going to say, just going to keep emphasizing that is um, I read an article by Aaron Pruner on mm-hmm. Zaffit, and he explained about how their what's going on with Ray this season relates back to a real life thing um, called Dread Pirates Roberts, which is this online system that used, um, I'm not a tech person, so I'm not going to butcher this, but basically pretty much exactly what Ray's doing. That's what people actually ended up doing on this site um, as far back as 2011. And it was this big scandal. So, which this show is known for doing like taking real life events and applying it into this um, universe and that making it that much more real and authentic. Um, so that's pretty scary, but I think that's maybe he's right in that connection. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Like Ray's doing some bad stuff essentially. And mm-hmm. Elliot found out and he wasn't supposed to. So what happens? They, at the end of the show, they beat the him episode, up. They beat him up. They beat him up. Take him out of his bed. Take him to the street. Take him out to the street. Start <laughs> punching his face, and and I'm like, oh man, pop an eye out or something. So, but okay, here's a big question. So, the whole thing that Ray was like, or people were talking about, like, what was that piece of hair that they threw on the thing? Yeah, wasn't that from like the previous guy that he was just working with, the computer dude? Yeah, I think you're done. right. That's from him, right? Yeah. 
okay, yeah, because they call it a rat's tail. I'm like, okay, that's probably the guy's ponytail then. And it's mm. like, oh, a rat. So they ratted him out. Duh. So, like, damn. Like, rabies scalping people. Um, yeah. Where do you think Elliot is, like, is this his demise? Obviously not. I mean, we can't, can't kill him off, right? So no. where do you think this is going to go in terms of Elliot and Ray's relationship? Like, is he going to help Ray? Um, or else Ray's going to, like, kill him, essentially? Or Okay, like... first of all, we're talking Elliot. So he's not going to die. Um, (laughs) That is off the table. (laughs) Or is it? Um, But I watched the preview for next week. So we do see Mm -hmm. Elliot in the hospital a little bit. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Um, And for whatever reason, after watching that preview, I have this instinct that next week we may be getting that um, extended... A virtual reality sequence um, while he's like knocked out or something. Mm-hmm. So I I just I feel and maybe this is why we're not feeling the stakes, but I feel like as soon as they introduced Ray, we knew he wanted uh, Elliot to do illegal business f- with him. That it's just like okay, this is just a subplot that's going to end the season and it's not going to matter in the long run. So I'm, I'm, I want to be proven wrong, hopefully in that assessment, but I honestly, I have no idea really where is it going besides that we're going to resolve it quickly and move along to the main plot, which is where the heck is Tyrell Wellick? Yes. We're the questions even more, only a rattle we got. That's it. Don't even, and like, okay, well, before we go into that, I just wanted to say, or I wanted to ask you, so, well, kind of already answered it, but I kind of sense it as the whole Elliot and Ray dynamic is, for some reason, the writers are keeping Elliot away from the rest of F Society. Like, mm-hmm. why isn't Darlene just dragging him over to the smart house that they took over and stuff like that? Why are they being so patient with Elliot taking his time? You know? Because, well... Th- Elliot is also a loose cannon. Right, right. You explained that earlier, yeah. Right. And I don't, I feel like everyone is is scared of him to a degree where it's like, we need you. But if I'm also afraid of you because I know if you get pushed to a certain point, you're going to snap and I don't know what's going to happen. Like, he's a wild card. He's a He's a very volatile variable when Mr. Robot is in control. So if he needs to remove himself from the equation to get control over that side of his personality, then they just have to let him do that. Yeah. Well said. So, and I also, and I also feel like for specifically Darlene's character, this season is actually better for her because we get to see more of her in action and more of her role. And you're starting to see that struggle between the siblings, um, especially if you compare us to the opening in last week's episode where they seemed like not, they weren't close, but there was still um, this, this shared bond between them and mutual respect between them. And um, they're very protective of one another. And then in this week's episode, when she visited, because of the distrust and what they what they did and how they're covering for one another, that that 
Bond is kind of fragile right now. Yeah, because, I mean, number one, he kind of set it off without telling anybody. Right, so right. So something that, you know, the core F society was all working towards, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, how come, you, you know, how come he did it without telling us, you know? So it didn't really start off on the right foot. And since he disappeared for, you know, however time it is, you know, it's like, like you're right, it's very fragile. Right, and she's left to clean up the mess. Yeah, that's another big point I forgot to mention, yeah. Which can be really annoying for any little sisters. <laughs> Sounds like you're speaking from experience, Sarah. Just saying, it's very annoying when the girl has to clean up the mess that the boy started. Whatever. See, I'm the youngest in the family, so I don't care. Yay, that's your job. No, I'm just kidding. That's messed up. <laughs> totally so, messed Circling back to another crucial part in the ending of the episode was... Another crucial part that is missing this season... So much missing, and that's Tyrell Wellick. Where the fuck is that guy? I thought he was, like, on an island somewhere. I thought he'd be, like, in Europe, and then all of a sudden, the setting of the show's gonna expand. But no, we get a... a Joanna gets a call uh, at the end. It's the breathing again, that weirdo that's always breathing on the other end. And she's saying, like, Tyrell, if it's you, just say something, please. And she hears the sirens in the background, and she also hears the sirens in her house. And she just bolts out the door, and we're led to believe that if it is Tyrell on the other end, he's probably hanging out right outside of the house and hiding. So, mm. where do you think? How do you? Okay, where do you think Tyrell's at? Do you think it's really him on the phone? And if he is, like, how do you think he's been hiding this whole time? I don't know. You and Carrie ask me this every week, and You're I always have the same the answer. I don't freaking know where he <laughs> is. Okay. Knows. There is no, and you know what? The one time that I do know where he is, you're not going to ask me the question because you're going to know too, <laughs> because that is how this show works. So many questions. They have to show us stuff. I, my thing is, is that it took me this episode to kind of, for the first time watching where I'm like, ah, Joanna does not work without Tyrell as a character. I don't know. I liked her in this episode. She was very really? like boss lady kind of thing. Cause you know she has her little protector dude do her bidding, and then she had that dope line about killing a man instantly robs him of an explanation. You know we're not murderers. You know it kind of puts more meat on her bones as a character that she's also just as you know that she's very badass like that. I guess. Yeah, it's a good line, but overall, I just. I'm not interested, and I'm constantly like, is Tyrell there? Is Tyrell there? I'm looking for Tyrell. Where's Tyrell? Well, she's like, our only lifeline to any clues yeah. on where he's at. That's what it is. Yeah. So I guess I see what you mean. She wouldn't be interesting if Tyrell wasn't there. Like, if Tyrell was there. Right. And if we didn't have season one where we were focusing on Tyrell so much that Joanna just, like, was the lifeline into his extended universe, so to speak... Um, where he didn't come off as so much as a loner and, like, they fleshed out his character more through her. Mm-hmm. And so now they're kind of doing the reverse because this season Tyrell's been removed from the equation, so they're just focusing on her as a villain. At the same time, for me, d- because she's a mom now, she's just... she uh, she's 
she doesn't have that relationship with Elliot that Tyrell did. There was a dynamic between Tyrell and Elliot that was really engaging. And even mm-hmm. when they weren't interacting with each other's storyline, there were still parallels to it. But what's going on with Joanna this season, I am finding very little ties outside of both she and Elliot seem to not know what happened those three days and not know where Tyrell is. And that's not enough really f- to make me feel like she she's worth be paid attention to. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, part of what I've noticed in this season, too, is we've kind of mentioned this like in, like when we talked about the season premiere was the like Elliot is not so much the focal point of the show, at least as mm-hmm. much as last season. Right. And they really want to flesh out the surrounding people around him, surrounding people around him. Duh. Like they really want to flesh out the characters around him in order kind of what you're saying before, um, by, by highlighting Elliot's different traits. And I just don't know where Joanna kind of fits in all this. Right. Right. And, you know, I would argue actually to your, your original point that this last season was so good because it allowed us to focus on Elliot while expanding his universe simultaneously. So it was written and structured in this manner where everything tied back to Elliot. And so Mm -hmm. even though he wasn't on screen, you were still very intrigued because you knew or because at the end of the episode, you felt like you were getting a payoff where like, oh, now I understand why Tyrell's storyline um, or how Tyrell's storyline interacts intersects with Elliot. But this season, it feels like we're building to something, not like evolving with every episode, the story or the characters. It just feels like a constant um, incline and you can go only go up so high. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you can only right, go right. up so high. <laughs> it's almost just... like it's in like little vignettes of all these yeah. different characters and I don't see the line that connects to Elliot. Right. What makes season one so special. Yeah, the connectivity between all the stories and all the characters and all the hacks and the action. Um and you know, I was also thinking about this before we started. The first half of the season one, there was a lot of emotional beats with Elliot and which was necessary because he's a brand new character. He's your main character. So and because he's so unreliable, we really had to emotionally connect um, with him to be able to root for him. I feel like they just the writers basically are just like, we did all that work in season one. We don't have to reestablish that connection this season. It's like, no, no, no. It's been a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I still feel bad for the guy, but I just, the relatability between him and me is slowly dissipating to where it's just like, come on, give me, give me Elliot. Give me something. Yeah, give me something because I want to be connected to this universe and not just based off of um, old headlines on papers that I don't read. <laughs> I don't think anybody reads papers, so I think you're fine there, Sarah. <laughs> True story. True story. So rounding out our, our discussion, like we said at the, at the top, um, it is mid-season. 
We got mm-hmm. uh, about six, seven episodes left because there's 13 episode season, right? 12. So, right, 12. So, we're about, so, yeah, we are halfway. We're at the midpoint. Um, do you have something on your wish list, like, towards the end of, uh, for the second half of the season? Um, in terms of, like, do you want different characters interacting with each other? Do you want to see more episodes built upon certain only certain relationships? Or, you know, just kind of, like, what are you thinking about the rest of the season? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I I don't want more White Rose. And I'm going to say that because that is your season three villain. Do not oh, dis- okay. do not overload him this season. I was surprised by how much we got. I hope that that was necessary to deliver at the midpoint um, with later events this season. Um, but I want, I want them to hold back on white rose um because that's season three um so i don't want to have that thing play out again i would also say on my wish list of hope to happening resolve ray's plot quickly (laughs) quickly so do you want him to be out of the show and out of the spotlight before the season finale i i just i want i want either a resolution quickly or just Something that will intrigue me. Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's as simple as the FBI in their hunt for 5-9 traced, like, the hack goes through, right? And then in the next episode, they trace back some of the um, the data to Ray's terminal because that's the, that's the computer Elliot used to hack the FBI. Which mm-hmm. I can't believe we didn't even talk about that. How he hacked the FBI? No, how... how he didn't hack the FBI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How he did not hack the FBI, because correct me if I'm right. wrong, all he did was basically develop the logic bomb that now Angela has to go and actually hack the FBI, so to speak. Right, let's, like... let's tangent into that. So, um, I totally forgot to mention, Darlene approaches Angela and was like, you got to get into the FBI, drop it off on this floor, this little device, and that's it. You're out. And Angela's like, man, fuck that. I'm out of here. I'm going to go see my ex-boyfriend for some reason and talk about the CD that we put in or whatever. And then Ollie, I forgot his name, and he's still a douchebag because who the hell brings a resume and just surprises their friend with it? Can he just pass this along? Surprises their ex-girlfriend. Right, right. Not friend. Sorry, ex-girlfriend. And, like, number one, paper really what's she gonna do drop it off in a copier or something like and you don't even ask your friend okay this isn't speaking from experience i always thought that was such a dick move and like he's also recording her you know their conversation because he got spooked by the fbi so matt he's a dick we get it yeah so now angela really feels like the fbi is on her ass so she goes back to darlene um she follows the instructions make sure she's not being followed sees her at the smart house and Darlene's bringing her into the fold. She's part of F Society now. How do you feel about that? I, I'm i interested because... Um, I'm interested. No, because Angela's now a mole in E-Core. E-Core, right, sort right. of. Kind of. Which is kind of um, the reason why she took that job, right? No, I don't, I don't believe that. Well... I thought the whole thing was to kind of break it from the inside, you know, when she was right. talking with her lawyer. 
Well, we we kind of go back and forth on that. Like one moment she wants to take them down, the next moment she is going out to dinner with Philip Price. Possibly make out with the old man. Possibly. Well, <laughs> there's there's a bunch of speculation about that, about how she responded and acted about that dinner invite just made you lead to believe like she knew there were implications. Let's leave it at that. I mean, okay, the affirmation she was listening to when she went out was, I am beautiful. And I'm right. like, oh, she wants to feel sexy for him. I mean, right. he, is, he does look like the most interesting man in the world. So yeah. I don't blame her. Yeah. But so, anyway. yeah, I'm just going to keep saying, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. What were we talking about? <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you feel that like Angela being brought on the fold as a mole. Like, do you think she's really in it this time now that the FBI is breathing down her neck? Oh, I think, I think that's exactly the motivation that she needed to, um, to go back there, um, to go, to cross the, cross over to the other side. I don't know, to join the other team. (laughs) She has to cross over. She has unfinished business. She's a ghost. (laughs) <laughs> that's how she drops it off on the on, on the floor she's a ghost i'm sorry i'm sorry train of thought okay patrick swayze did it like that so oh, i can say <laughs> he's really dead that's why it's sad oh i am tired so um yeah i'm excited i think she's gonna nail it i mean i also watched the little teaser before um for next episode and one of my favorite lines is like, is this turning into a Hollywood movie? Because the line was, you can't teach someone to hack in one day. And then it cuts to her like typing code. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, please yeah. don't. It's almost like they're jumping the shark on purpose because it's so ridiculous. But, well, I have complete faith in Sam Esmail. So we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, we we were negative this in our discussion tonight. But that doesn't mean I'm off the show or anything like i adore this show i think it's very beautiful and it's it's strong storytelling these are just grievances because we've been very positive for the past few weeks that it's like no 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 this is time we gotta vent out these frustrations because we're midway and it doesn't seem like some of the the negatives are starting to overtake it a little bit um but i do have faith that it's gonna the ship's gonna be Rated? Rated is not a word. I don't really think it was. They're gonna course. they're gonna rate this shit down. Yeah, it slowed way way down. So let's let's pick it back up. Yeah. We're jumping all over metaphors because I was talking about how it kept climbing, and now we're talking about slowing down. I'll throw one more in there. There's always like a rest before a big crescendo. So we'll have to see. Maybe this was the episode. Oh, crescendo. Or is there a rest before a long? That just that just reminded me of the end of episode two with that crescendo at the end of it was beautiful. I wish this episode would have ended like that. What what, what are you talking about? (laughs) Wait, wait. What was the crescendo episode two? I forgot. If I remember correctly, it was he was at the church group, and then yeah, and he dropped in that knowledge bomb, that atheist bomb. No, did it, was it that one? No, he was at the ch- church group, and then they cut right to 
they did one of those jump cuts where he picked up the phone and um, on the other line that was Bonsoir Elliot. Bonsoir Elliot. Was that a crescendo? There was a few other events because right before that he discovered that Mr. Robot had overtaken and he had that breaking consciousness. All right, I got you. We need some of that, some of that epic buildup. We need some break of freaking consciousness. This is actually the first episode that I can think of this season where they didn't do anything in terms of time. Yeah, and there were clocks all over the damn place. All over the damn place. They were ticking. Yeah. Ticking, ticking. I thought it was still very good. It wasn't excellent as normal, but it was very good. Wait a second. What about my favorite line of the episode where Dom relates... um, White Rose's obsession with clocks with mortality. Would you like to say it like verbatim there, Sarah? I just said it. Oh, I'm sorry. So that's going to do it for yep. Mr. Robot discussion for this evening or afternoon. Whenever you're listening to us, thank you. Sarah, you want to let them know where you, they can find you on the internet? What are you on? This is really dark. Oh, um, great. That's perfect. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's really exhausting explaining Mr. Robot to Matt for two hours. Oh my god, that is, what a burn! (laughs) Okay, and also, everybody, please listen very carefully when I explain this. Matt is silently a judgmental person. Dude, come on, dude. (laughs) Like, he's a lovable teddy bear, but... He's very judgmental. He's like that teddy bear that stares at you, and it's just like, no, you shouldn't. Mm -mm. I'm like a teddy Mm -hmm. ruxpin. Just like (laughs) vacant eyes just staring at you. Do people know what teddy ruxpins are, right? Nobody knows what that is. You made it up. That's not true. It's a real thing. (laughs) I'm not judgmental. Sarah, just tell them they can find you on Twitter. My goodness, please. You can find me at SJBelmont, SJBELMONT. And I honestly don't even know where that judgmental thing came from. You can find me, Matt, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at I'm Salzy. I-M-S-A-L-Z-Y. Hashtag poor Matt. Hashtag poor Matt. Why not? Uh, You can tweet us your Mr. Robot theories and other theories and shows you're watching. Like maybe Stranger Things. That's an awesome show. Sarah, I think you pitched it a couple weeks back on the show. Um, Tweet us your theories about Unreal. Where's that going? Did you like Preacher? That season finale dropped. It was pretty great. You can tweet us all your theories at CNNerd. S-C-E-N-E. Letter N. N-E-R-D. And there you go. That's uh, Thanks for listening, guys. And, um, Thank you. you know, please go to the GWW.com to read about all our geeky opinions on comics, games, TV, and film. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Let us know what you're thinking. And get in touch with us on our Facebook. So um, there you go. Bonsoir. Bye. You're welcome. Wow, with a yawn, my goodness. <laughs> this has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!